Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, for 18 years, I thought she was my husband. That's who I saw. That's who I loved. But that is not who she was. She's always been my wife, even when I didn't know it, even when she didn't have the words to tell me. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. It's the show where we do exactly what the title says. (laughs) Wild, right? Our job is to take the tough questions in life and find someone who has been there because a lot of times it can feel like no one has. Sometimes things happen that can make you feel so isolated that you might think you are completely alone. That's sort of how our listener Angela felt when she sent in this question. Hi, Healthy Human Out. Uh, My name's Angela, and I have a situation that is pretty unusual that I would love guidance and help through. My um, ex-husband came out as a trans woman about two years ago. We were still married. We had a brand new baby girl and it was definitely a shock. (laughs) Um, We have been married for almost 10 years when the transition began and now we are divorced. Um, What I'm looking for help with is kind of how to rebuild our family. Um, You know, the divorce is very amicable. Our daughter is now three and a half and she's doing well, but I don't really know how to create this new family um, with my ex-husband as a trans woman. Um, We're both in our early 30s, met when we were teenagers, so I've got this whole big life story um, and a whole big marriage and life experience with this man that I was definitely in love with. Um, So, you know, I want to honor the decisions that have been made and be respectful. I want to teach our daughter that families don't always have to look like a mom, a dad, and 2.5 kids. But finding someone who's been through something like this, uh, who knows what it's like to have your life partner basically just become a completely different person in a lot of ways overnight, and then still have to co-parent and raise a child with them, it's very difficult. Um, and I have almost no examples of how to do that. It's just something that there's not a blueprint for in a lot of ways. And I feel very alone <laughs> and very isolated um, from my friends, even the ones who are getting divorced currently, because they're, they're getting divorced because of infidelity or we fell out of love or he lied about X, Y, and Z. I lied about X, Y, and Z. And it's just not the same. Like, I still love and care for my ex with all my heart. We just we just can't be together because I am a cisgender straight woman, and he is not. I and mean, you can even tell, like, I struggle with the pronouns now, right? It's, it's hard for me to flip to she, her um, when I've been saying he, him for 15 years. 
So anyway, I guess that's what I'm seeking guidance on. Um, thanks. Look, I'd be lying if I said I even knew where to start on answering this one. <laughs> this is a situation unlike anything I have ever experienced. But what I do know is that reaching out to ask for help when you are confused and unsure isn't an easy thing to do, but it's a good place to start. I'll admit, I mess up when it comes to things I am unfamiliar with. We all do. So I can understand why you are struggling here. Hell, I'm a black woman that is still trying to unlearn the white supremacy that I was taught as a child. As a society, we are constantly growing and learning and unlearning, and it's hard. It's hard, Angela. It's so hard. There are plenty of feelings to feel, but one thing I can promise you, Angela, is that you are not alone. Our expert, Amanda Jete Knox, has dealt with a situation quite a bit like yours. Amanda is a mother, a wife, advocate, speaker, and writer. And while she's been writing her whole life, now she's using her voice to make the world a more inclusive and safe place for everyone. She's even wrote the book, Love Lives Here, a story of thriving in a transgender family. She's pretty incredible. And you'll love her Canadian accent too. So with all that, here is my conversation with Amanda. So Angela had a, a she was she had a very long question and it had so many twists and turns and to to sum it up um if I could because there's there's a lot of layers but to sum it up she said how do I deal with meeting my ex-spouse as a new human after they went through a very big life change so basically she was married she was had a just had a baby with her partner who was a um, male, and who is now a trans woman. I also want to name that I am very respectful of pronouns and things like that, but if I happen to slip in this podcast, I am asking for grace because I mean it with the most respect and love, and I am trying to be intentional and not slipping up on pronouns, and so work with me if you would because I am asking for grace because I want to be as respectful as possible. Um, And so... Basically, she's saying she wants to have a relationship with her ex. She's saying she's even struggling with these pronouns, but she wants to raise their child in a way that is inclusive, in a way that respects um, everyone, including her former spouse. And so I am so happy that you're here, Amanda, because you are our expert today. You can understand what Angela is going through. And I want to just talk about your story a little bit. Yeah, sure. No problem. So, um, yeah. Hi, thanks for having me. And Of course. Yeah, so happy to be here. Um, this is definitely something that <laughs> I have some experience in in my own life and in my own family. Um, so I have a uh, child who came out as trans first okay. uh, in uh, 2014. And uh, at the time, uh, if I took you back to 2014, um, we had what looked from the outside as a, a very sort of typical family. We looked like a mom and a dad and and three boys. Um, and that's how I saw things as well until our middle child, who was 11 at the time, came out and said, actually, no, that is not correct. So at first they came out as a trans 
girl. Um, and, and, and again, it's 20, 2014, um, right. 11 years old. So, I mean, you know, and in that time in the last, you know, year or so has, uh, told us that they feel more like they're non-binary sort of leaning towards feminine. So that's why I'm using they, them pronouns, but initially we were told I'm actually a girl, not a boy. Okay. Um, so what, what, can you walk me through that? Because I, I want to know, did it, impact like your like your vision of like what your family looked like did it did you instantly jump into okay I have to be an advocate or this or or was there a grieving process I kind of want to know all of the feelings that happened because I I want to make sure that you know Angela knows that she can feel all the feelings all there there's multiple things I'm I'm, I'm assuming there are a lot of layers <laughs> Yeah, there are definitely a lot of layers. I mean, that's the thing about uh, about somebody when you know when a family tra- or when a person transitions. I think like the whole family transitions in a way, and you know, I think we need to center the trans person. This is what they're going through. This is their experience and their journey. But we all sort of have our individual journeys alongside where we're trying to figure out, whoa, what what does this mean in my life and in my world? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had so I. And you didn't have a daughter, so it was brand new to you, right? Right. It was totally brand new. I mean, that was the thing. So so I I did not know what to make of this. I didn't really know that trans kids existed. I, I remember sort of wow. having this. Wow, okay. Yeah, like it was so new. And, and there, you know, then I started, you know, hearing about other trans kids, that there, there were a couple of trans kids who were visible at the time, but even when our kid went to look for examples, they couldn't find any. When, you know, when I went to look for examples, I, I couldn't find a lot that was supportive. Um, and so I felt really alone. Like as a parent, you know, um, I had a lot of other mom friends um, and I had nobody in my life who was going through this at the same time. It was so lonely. I imagine when your child is, says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm transgender, that there aren't very many people in your life that you can go to and say, hey, you've been through this too, right? Right. And it's not an automatically accepted thing either. So right. even if, you know, so you have two two big issues here. One, not everyone's going to be supportive. If you're lucky, and we were pretty lucky, a good number of people will be supportive. But that also doesn't mean that they're informed. So just because they are accepting it doesn't mean that they know how to support you or how to support your child in this or what to say or what to do. So you sometimes get that sort of like avoidance thing going on where people sort of tiptoe around you. And 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 we got some of that too. We had friends who up and left. And then we also had friends who like were like, you know, I'm uh I'm still here, but I just don't know what to say. So yeah. it was a very quiet, isolating experience. So this happened 2014, your middle child came out to the family as transgender. And then what happened a few months later? Yeah. So about a year and a half later, just as the dust is settling and we're figuring our stuff out, um, my spouse of 18 years came out to me as a trans woman. So that just was um, shocking because I did not know you could have two trans people in a household. I did did not know that was a thing that could happen in a family. It was like lightning uh, striking twice in a way. And that was a whole different experience. And and did you, I, I don't even know if this is an appropriate question. And again, please show me, Grace. Did you have any idea at all 
I had no idea. What I did know was that the person that I knew at the time as my husband was not very happy. Um, Mm. And no matter what I did, um, no matter what we did, nothing seemed to make her happy Mm. as him. Right. Like it just, it just, and I mean, that makes sense because you're fundamentally just not yourself. How can you be happy when you're not living a life that's true to you? So yeah, I think that was it. It was like, there's just this whole, um, sad sort of, you know, introverted, angry person for a long, long time. And like Angela, we got together when we were teenagers, we were like high school sweethearts. We got married young. We had children young. This was my whole world. And this is the person that I thought I knew. And, uh, suddenly there was a big piece that I didn't know. So it really threw me for a loop for sure. So, and, and here's the thing, what we know now is that everyone doesn't make it through this because you are now with your wife and Angela is divorced, right? So everyone shifts differently or everyone says, okay, this, this I can, this is how we're going to move forward. And some people say, hey, I can't move forward in this way because, um, as Angela described, she said, I am a cis woman. I am, you know, I now my partner is a woman and this is just not what I'm attracted to or want to be with. And she, but now wants to part parent and co-parent and do all the right things. Um, how do you have that conversation about, okay, well, what does this mean for our family? Yeah, it was a really, really tough uh, few <laughs> weeks. And <laughs> I, I'm imagining the, the, that two years of your life, just mind blowing. Yeah. There were a lot of changes. One thing that I told myself right away was that I wasn't going to make any major decisions for the first six months. I was like, I'm not making any major decisions because like um, so much had happened and it was all so new and so fresh. I, I didn't know if I could make the right decision. So I was like, you know what? I, 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 I love this person. I respect this person. I want her to be happy. I love this person. Now, whether or not we can be together, we'll, we'll see. But no matter right. what, we're still a family, right? Like Angela's saying the same thing. We are still a family. Um, it's just that families sometimes look different. And, you know, um, I, I say that I talk to a lot of, of couples that are going through this. And what I say to the, the cis partners is, look, like your, your sexual orientation is just as valid as your partner's uh, gender. So if your partner tells you, hey, I'm a woman, and you're like, oh, I, I really can't be with a woman. Like, I'm not at all in any way, shape, or form attracted to women. Your relationship will probably change. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with you for that. You're allowed right. to have those feelings. What you have to do is be really respectful and understand that this person is who they say they are and be kind and be considerate and be respectful to that person and love that person, even if you're not together. And it's got to be tricky, right? Because I imagine that there's some grief in what you thought you were in, what you thought you had, and what it now is, right? And so it's a slippery slope because the person that you love, the person that you're with, is telling you something very life-altering. However, you want to show up for that person. You want to make sure they feel safe. But you're also grieving what you thought you had and grieving the life you thought you had. So it, it's it's tricky to navigate because I'm sure there are big feelings on both sides. Yes, like you said, we want to center the the trans person. Do I say that? Trans person or the person who is trans? Do we center the yeah, person? Yeah. Okay. So the person who's trans. However, that is a big deal for everyone involved. And so I imagine that there's this this feeling of 
man, I really want to show up for you and I want to support you. But also like, wow, I, my whole life is changing also. And and so it, there's just so many layers to this, right? Yeah. I, and it's funny because if you talk about grief with a lot of trans people, um, the feedback that I've received is, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to grieve the situation. Like if your marriage is over and you're grieving that marriage or whatever it might be, but grieving the person is kind of inappropriate because the person's still very much alive. Right. So it's such a weird situation. Like you're definitely not, um, you know, you have, you haven't lost your partner. Your partner's not dead, but your partner is a different person. And that does mm-hmm. like, so I, I sort of call it like a, a letting go process. There's, there's you have yeah. to sort of let go of, of your expectations of who that person is and what your relationship was going to be like and what your life was going to be like. And it is the same in that sense as a lot of other major changes. It's just that it's less common. So like if, for example, you're in a relationship and one of the partners gets sick, right? Has has a chronic illness and that's not how your life was set up in your mind that this was how it's going to be. And then it is, there is sort of a a process of having to let go of your expectations and embracing what is today. And it, so it's sort of like that. It's just, it's much harder to find other people that are in that situation. And that can be so lonely. Yeah. So you said that you decided you weren't going to make any big decisions for six months because a lot of things had changed and you were trying to kind of navigate that. So six months passed and you decided that this is what it's going to be. And tell me a little bit about that piece of it. My biggest worry was I had been married to somebody who was so unhappy for such a long time. And so my issue actually wasn't that she was trans uh, as much as it was, you know, like, is this really going to make you happy? Um, And And what I found was, yes, she is a much happier, healthier, more real person, more engaged. She's a better parent. She's a better partner. Come on, authenticity. Yes. Right. You know, it's just, it's it's like a whole new life for her. And so it's become a whole new, wonderful life for me. But my sexual orientation lines up with who she is, right? So that was not an issue for me. Um, I do know other partners who like, their sexual orientation does not line up. They're still together. They're just not intimate anymore, right? But they still love each other so much and they're raising their kids together and like they're really good friends. Everybody has a different situation and we need to leave room for all of those situations. I think if you just lead with love, which is something, by the way, I've had literally tattooed on my forearm because (laughs) big letters, because I really believe that that is how we need to live our lives and how we need to approach people who are going through big, scary things in their lives too. You just put love first. Like Always. I loved my kid through their transition. I loved my partner through her transition. Um, and I've loved our family through it all. And I think like that to me has been what has gotten us through. But again, I don't think we're heroes because we stayed together. I think it can look in any way, and it, it can look different for everybody, but you just have to have the right goals. And if your goal is we still want to be a family in whatever capacity, that's great. Just lead with love. Lead with love. I. It's so funny because it sounds so simple, right? But so many of us struggle with leading with love because the world is really good at teaching us not to do that. <laughs> and um, that reminder is so important. It's so important because at the end of the day, I imagine that regardless of whatever happens, if you love someone so much, right? And they're miserable and they're just not happy. You want what 
whatever for them that is going to allow them to be, one, their best self, two, their authentic self, and three, happy. And so, yeah, I'm sure it was a really interesting couple of years, but where you are now, I'm sure it's night and day. I'm sure there was a lot of confusion and a lot of different things. And now I'm sure you're like, wow, this is, this is where it is. This is how we, where we ended up. And I like it here because, because everyone gets to be themselves. Well, that's it. I I think like before we were all trying to just play a role, right? Like we were all just trying to play this, this, you know, I know for me, I had been um, really bullied throughout school and all I wanted to do my whole life was just fit in, fit in, don't rock the boat, fit in, don't rock the boat. And um, well, my, my family and my, my life had different plans for me. Um, And this side of fear coming out the other side, because there was so much fear involved in, in, in people transitioning in our family, coming out the other side of that fear, I have grown as a person. We have grown as a family. Uh, my wife and I are more in love than ever. Come uh, on, we love. renew our vows. Yes. Like, oh yeah, we're so in love. Like, it's ridiculous. People tell us all the time, they're like, you're... <laughs> <laughs> like you're gross with how many selfies you post with your wife. And I'm like, I know, but you know, we never did that before. And now we can. Um, and because, we, because we she's happy in herself. Why would she want to post selfies and be that much in love? Like if it was, it didn't feel real. Not that she didn't love you, but it didn't feel real to her because she wasn't even living her authentic self. And so is it also like a journey of acceptance? All of this, not not just your part, but her part, because I'm sure it took a lot for her to finally come out. Is it also a journey of not only just leading with love, but a journey of acceptance? Yeah, I think it's like it's a journey. It's like an exploration and it is an acceptance, right? Like I can't speak for them, but I know like just watching them become who they are has really been inspiring from the outside because I'm like, well, if they can be. If, if they can, if they can, if they can face whatever the world throws at them to be themselves, I can do anything too. We all can, right? Yes. And that's, that's why I never, never really get the whole like transphobia thing where people are awful to trans people. I'm like, do you not understand the um, the resiliency that that takes, the strength that it takes, um, you know, to to be yourself. Um, when the world is trying to fit you into a box that you just don't fit into and not everyone's going to get it and to, and to just go that, you know, to go to that extent to be true to yourself. I mean, I just have so much respect for, for everybody in the trans community. I think that takes a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's made us all better. Like our, our sons, we have two sons and I think like they have been, really moved by this and, and have become better men because of this as well. And, um, we, you know, the, the love in our family has grown so much that we were able to make room for, um, for a fourth child. And we adopted, we adopted a teenager in January. Wow. Um, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, now we have a very, very full house, <laughs> but we never could have done that before. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like the, you know, all the hard parts were worth it because we got to the good parts because of them. I always say that. I say, you know, that my trauma has been transformative, that the bad things that I've been through um, have really helped me. And then in the hard things, um, the difficult things, the transitions, like all of these different things in my life have led me to where I am. And it sounds so cliche. It's like, oh, I'm here now. But it's the truth, right? I, I think about 2020 as a year in itself. And I'm like, if I had not been through all the things that I've been through, 
I'm not so sure I would have survived this awful year, right? And so Seriously. I, I really do believe that the things we go through and and a lot of those are difficult, hard things, but we grow from them and we are hopefully surrounded in love. Hopefully people are leaving with love. And, and so it's not um, extremely... I don't know. It's so hard. I can, I'm I'm having trouble grasping the words because the acceptance piece and the love piece is so beautiful in this, right? She, Angela sounds so scared and isolated and she, and, and then there's a pandemic, right? And, and On all top of, these, of it all. Uh, yes. Um, and, and so we're, th- I, I just see the isolation. I can hear it in her voice. But what I love most is she's doing exactly what you said. She really is trying to lead with love. She's saying, hey, I don't know how to do this but I want to, and I'm going to try, and I want to be respectful. I want to do these things. And I think one of the biggest things is admitting you don't know how to move forward because we get stuck a lot because we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. So then you just get frozen. It's okay to not know what to do. It's not okay to get stuck, right? Because then everybody kind of suffers. And what she's doing is she's saying, hey, I want to show up for this person. I want to show up for my ex. I want to support, but I don't know how. And that's where we come in. We're like, hey, we'll try to help you for sure. And it's amazing to me that we have you as a resource, first of all, because who knew that we were going to get a question like this? But I'm so, so happy that you're here because I want Angela to understand that she's not alone, right? Like at all, there are so many people who have stories similar to this, who wanted to be their authentic selves, whose family supported them, who's loved their way through it. And so I'm just so happy that you're here because this story is incredible. So incredible that you wrote a book about it. <laughs> I really did. And it's funny, when I wrote the book, you know, I was, I remember sort of toying with it early on. And and I really, I really want to share this piece because I really hope it helps Angela with the pronouns because I know she was saying she was struggling with the pronouns. Yes. Um, and uh, it's really important when, you know, to, 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 um, and we're all going to slip up sometimes, especially early on, you know, um, pronouns take a while. You got to re- rework your brain sometimes, but like, um, in terms of like seeing somebody as who they really are, uh, I remember thinking like, how do I write about the past um, you know, and, and like, say like my, my, my non-binary kid, like how do I write about their past, um, and not use the wrong pronouns? And somebody actually said to me, uh, another non-binary person actually said to me at one point, look, you have to sort of look at it like this. Uh, this child was born, uh, the doctors looked between the kid's legs, uh, and decided that this was a boy. And so for a few years, you raise this kid as a boy until they were able to say to you, Hey, by the way, you made a mistake. Everyone made a mistake. This is not who I was. It's not who I ever was. Even in your mind, if you thought that's who I was, that's not who I was. And that really helped me move forward. It was like something clicked that day. I was like, oh, I get it. You were always who you're telling me you are right now. Right. I just didn't know it. I Boom. didn't see it. I didn't understand. Like, I didn't understand that. It wasn't like I couldn't tell. I didn't understand. And then when you're when you're wrapped into it and you're saying, oh, this makes sense. Sometimes people need to know like, okay, I, I need this to make sense to me. Right. And I think that what that person did for you was it kind of made it make sense. 
Yeah, I just never thought about it that way. I'd only ever seen it through my eyes. And that's normal. Like we're human. So we we look at things in a very self-centered way. That's that's how we're supposed to do it, actually. And then we need to pull back, and that's our wisdom. And we pull back and we try to look at the bigger picture. But sometimes you don't have a framework for that. So somebody provided me with the framework. And when that happened, my goodness, it made everything easier. And pronouns got easier. And just every life experience that that this kid had ever been through got easier for me to remember as the kid they really are and not who I saw them as at the time. It was huge. And I was able to do the same thing with my wife. Um, you know, yes, for 18 years, I thought she was my husband. That's who I saw. That's who I loved. But that is not who she was. She's always been my wife, even when I didn't know it, even yeah. when she didn't have the words to tell me. So that made it a lot easier for me. We have to take a break, but we will be right back after this message from our sponsors. Led by Olympian sprinter Michelle Lewis-Freeman and wellness coach Jennifer Forrester, Track Girls is a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing girls access to sisterhood, empowerment, and track and field. Programs include grants to provide financial and training resources, empowerment workshops and camps to provide mindset, nutrition, recovery, and performance education tools from world-class athletes, coaches, and industry leaders, and Dream Builders after-school program designed to build a clear path towards the future using a research-based curriculum and speed and conditioning program designed by Michelle and Jennifer. Shop the Track Girls Holiday Guide to purchase a selection of apparel, training equipment, recovery tools, and fun experiences such as a virtual mind and body masterclass with an Olympian. All purchases help raise money for Track Girls programs to provide girls access to education, mentorship, and sport through track and field, a sport that has social, academic, and well-being benefits for girls. You can help raise money through your participation in fun fundraisers, such as their virtual speed series, where adults and youth can participate in sprint distance running challenges. Go to trackgirls.com to shop, donate, or learn more. That's trackgirls with a Z.com. Your purchase or donation will make a difference. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. told you we'd be back, and we are. Angela asked a question about how to move forward in a relationship with her ex-spouse, who is trans. Her situation is one that our expert Amanda can really relate to, because her wife is trans, and they were together during her transition. Let's get back into how Amanda dealt with feeling all the feelings, and hopefully find some answers for Angela. I'm going to ask this question because I think it's important um, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I, I do want to know your perspective on this. Was there any guilt that 
it took so long for two people that you love very much to feel safe enough to come out. Is that what, is it come out to family? I want to make sure I'm saying this accurately. Oh yeah, it's definitely coming out to family. I mean, coming out's different for everybody, right? Like I had to come out to my own family after my wife came out and, you know, my mom was (laughs) like, oh, I guess that means you're getting a divorce then (laughs) because you're straight, right? And I was like, well, actually, (laughs) but no, Um, that was a whole, that's a whole other part of the book. Um, But, you know, the, the thing is like, Yes, I definitely, I mean, we always, so with our kid, for example, like I always thought I was a really progressive person. And in a lot of ways, I think I am a pretty open-minded progressive person. I always wanted to be the, you know, the parent that my kids could talk to. And so I was like, whoa, what? You couldn't tell me this? But then I thought about it and I was like, even a year or two ago, would I have been as accepting as I am now? Like, I, I think... I think they picked the right time to say something. And then, you know, my wife, well, I mean, she had, she was afraid of losing everything. She was afraid of losing us. She was afraid of losing her job. She was afraid of losing her friends. Like she was just terrified of losing everything. So it wasn't, I tried not to make it all about me with my family members because it isn't. Again, that goes back to self-centering, right? This is a whole societal issue where we decide before a kid can even tell us who they are, who they are, and we just reinforce it with stereotypes over and over and over. Like I was so proud of my three sons and I'm using air quotes here, right? I was so proud of them. And I was like, Oh, I'm a mom to all boys. I made a really big deal out of it, but that was part of my identity. It was not part of my kid's identity, right? But then it was like, how do you come out to this mom who thinks that, who's so proud to have you as, as her son? Like, so yeah, I think we need to leave some room. Like if there's anything I could done in, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight is always 2020. Like if I had gone back, if I had a time machine, I would probably leave the door open far more for these conversations to happen and put fewer expectations on everybody in terms of gender and gender roles and just see what happens. Because <laughs> I, I think, you know, absolutely we set right. that as parents. Yeah. Well, hello, gender reveals. <laughs> I think oh, if we learned anything from, from gender reveals in 2020 is that, uh, well, the last gender reveal we heard of that was ginormous, the little whole state on fire. So, um, maybe it's just <laughs> right. not a good idea, right? <laughs> right? Um, and and it's so interesting because so I have I have two daughters, and um, I did gender reveals for both of them. And you know, this one is nine and and one is six, and I'm a totally different person. That would never happen now. It's just we the, you know better, you do better, right? And I would never have a gender reveal now. And I and I see so many people doing gender reveals, and I wonder like. So much of this is like society, right? It tells us like we have to just pick. We can't just, there's always got to be a label. You always got to circle in a in a little bubble that says, oh, no, I'm this or I'm that. Like we can't, everything has to have a label. And I think that that's a very frustrating piece of all of this is um, that we can't just be, we can't just exist sometimes because they want us to pick what we are. And sometimes we're not just one thing or sometimes we don't fit into that little bubble or box. And I think that makes people uncomfortable, but like that's on them, right? Like we all get to live our authentic lives. And that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable, I'm sorry, push through it, friend, because we all deserve to live our most authentic lives, whatever that looks like. 
Yeah, we have to do the work. And I mean, like sometimes things change and I, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like we, we, we paint this whole future forward. Like my whole life is going to look like this. And, and every single person I've talked to who's like, you know, in sort of the golden years of their lives tells me their life did not turn out exactly as they expected it. Right. So it's like, <laughs> right. I think best laid plans. Just, Right. Like, let's just go into it with more of an open mind in general in how we parent, in how we love, in how we accept people. And like, like I don't even use people's, I don't use um, pronouns for people that I've just met uh, unless I know them. I don't assume right. that someone is a sir or a ma'am. I don't say, oh yeah, she over there, you know, or like that's his. I say, oh, this person over here or the server's going to help us or whatever it might be. I've learned that because I find that it is just, it's not offensive not to use them, first of all. And it leaves right. the door open for people to tell me who they are. It just makes life so much easier. That's one of those takeaways from my experience with my own family. What? Let me tell you that I... I look at myself and when I started to host this podcast and, you know, Nora McInerney came and she said, I want you to host this podcast. I said, what is it about? She said, helping humans out. I said, okay, sign me up. Let's do it. What I didn't anticipate was um, how much it was going to educate me, the things that it would trigger inside of me and be and make me think, oh, okay, I want to shift here. I want to grow here or I want to learn more about this. I want I want to do these things. And so I find myself every episode um, being pushed a little bit more to grow and to, to really recognize different things. I identify as a Black woman, a Black queer woman. I'm partnered with a man, um, but definitely queer. And so in many different situ- situations, I would camouflage. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. But this is, these are like little camouflages. It, it would be like, I'm not speaking the way that I like to speak because maybe these people would be uncomfortable. Or I'm not saying what I really believe here because maybe these people would be uncomfortable. All the while, who's uncomfortable? Me. I'm letting right. my light dim. I'm letting who I am completely dissipate all because I'm trying to make everyone else comfortable. And what I came to realize is if we stopped giving a shit about everybody else and what they got going on, we'd all be a lot more comfortable anyway. And we'd all be able to exist because so many of these things are societal standards and bullshit that we've been taught. And it's time to peel back a lot of those layers and say, huh, maybe I want to unlearn this because I'm not even sure why I feel this way or how I got here. And I think that unlearning process is huge. I have an entire chapter in my book called Unlearning for this exact reason. No, for real, for real. Exactly what you're talking about, right? Where it was like, I had all these ideas. In order to make room for new ideas, I had to unlearn those ideas, right? Like all that sort of systemic, you know, societal transphobia. I didn't even know I had. I was like, look at me. I'm like this super open-minded person. I know everything about everything. I knew nothing. And what little tiny bit I, I knew was wrong. So like I had to unlearn at warp speed and it is such a big part of the learning experience. It's huge. Um, but that's the thing about like, it's, it's, it really is a gift to have people open themselves up to you, share their experiences with you, whether it's like on a podcast or whether it's, you know, in, inside the walls of your own home, wherever mm-hmm. it is, you know, cause it's like, you get to become a better person. You get a front row seat. You get to decide in that moment, what do I do with this? Do I, um, shut the door and go, no way, I'm not listening to this, uh, you know, screw it. Or do I go, 
no, you know what? This is actually something I'm, I'm, this is uncomfortable. This is making me a bit uncomfortable. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to learn. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to become a better person, uh, with your help. And like, that has been so transformative for me. I am not at all the same person that I was before my family members came out. I am so much prouder in who I am. I'm so much more assertive. Um, you know, and I've, I've worked through a lot of my own stuff thanks to them. And so I think like that's, that is the big gift in all of this too. If we don't, we, we, we look at, for example, trans people coming as like, it's like some kind of tragedy. It, it's not a tragedy. It's a celebration. They get to it be It is who a celebration. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a celebration. And then you get to love them for who they really are right? Like that is, that, that should be celebrated. That should not be looked down upon. It should not be shameful. It should be beautiful. Um, and so what I, what I wonder is, because when I think about Angela, and especially when I, what I hear in her voice is that she struggled with, uh, some trust after her ex-partner came out as trans. And, and I, I think that's logical. Um, but also I think it's, I think it's ego, right? I think, and not hers, but like the human ego of like trying to find a reason for something instead of saying, okay, this isn't actually about me. This is about someone else's journey I happen to be a part of and and it trickles down to me. But did you have moments of, because I can't imagine that it was just like, okay, we're going to be all on board and we're going to support because that's a beautiful thing, but we're not all built like that. I know, I know I've had to talk my way through many things, talk my way through so many things that I was uncomfortable with. And I'd had to ask myself, why is this uncomfortable to you? What makes this, like, this isn't bothering you. Why? And I've had to, but everyone doesn't take that time to process like that. And I'm really intentional with it. And I want, I, and the people I'm around are really intentional about it. So was there that type of feeling of like, oh, wow, I feel like I had no idea about this and it kind of feels different. So it didn't instantly go to, okay, I'm going to be an advocate and I'm going to ride for my family. Was there some of that? Oh, big time. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think half the books, the half the book is just me like explaining all the ways that I, I, I messed up, like all of my mistakes. I was so brutally honest about them because I need people to see that like love is imperfect, right? And I was so, so flawed in my responses. I, I had my heart was always in the right place. But yeah, I went through a lot of that. And my biggest, biggest issue, and this goes back to my own trauma, my own childhood trauma. And this is, you know, not the fault of my family members, but I cared so much what other people thought of me. Oh, see, there it goes. I knew it was oh. coming. We care so much what other people think and we stay in marriages and we stay in friendships and we stay in jobs to keep up appearances all the while we're miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was actually miserable in a lot of ways in my old life, but I was comfortable. I was comfortable because I knew what to expect. And I knew that like, I just blended in with everyone. I knew very much that this life meant that I wasn't going to be singled out for any reason. And I could just kind of stay invisible. It's kind of under the radar. And then like, boom, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And all I could think of, and it's so selfish. Like I, I, I'm even embarrassed. I'm still embarrassed talking about it today, right? Because it was like I had so much shame around. You're human, though. You get to have all those feelings, though. Right. And I think a lot of people do. It's just we're so embarrassed to talk about them. But it's like that is the honest truth. I was like, what are people going to think of our family? And and in part, it was just like 
pettiness. Like I did have some run-ins with, you know, other moms at parent council, like this one particular mom that I wrote about in the book as well. I call her judgmental mom because she was super judgmental and she wouldn't even talk to me. Like she was just, she, like, it's just like night and day. So like, I worried about those little things of like maybe what our neighbors would think and, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But then I also worried about our safety, right? Because there's a safety yes. component. Absolutely. We live in the suburbs, um, it's a predominant, it was, I think it's really shifted a lot recently, but it was a predominantly conservative area. I was like, how is this going to work? Like, how am I going to like, how are we going to be this outwardly queer family in an area where like, we're the only queer family, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. There's so many things. And I, I, I'm like, the safety aspect is something I didn't even think of. I'm like, Oh yes, oh, you know, and here's the th- here's the thing. What I do know is this: you were talking earlier about just like existing and feeling safe and and things like that. And I, as a black woman in 2020, um, who's from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where George Floyd was murdered, like safety is just something I prioritize these days because I don't feel safe in many spaces. And right. so, and that that is just uh, as like a woman, I don't always feel safe. I don't always feel safe as a black person. I, you know, I can hide. I, I don't, but I can hide. I can't hide my blackness, but I can actually hide my queerness because you can't tell just by looking at me, right? And so there are different ways that I think we wind up camouflaging ourselves because of nothing that has to do with us, but literally because of the response of others or the danger that could come along with it. You said you were married or at the time you were together for 18 years. Yeah, we were actually married for 18 years at the time. Married married for 18 years at the time. Was there a piece of your wife who who thought, "Damn, like this is who I've been all along and I haven't been able to do this?" Or was it focused on the celebration in in the transition and there wasn't that piece of like, "Damn, I wish I could have been myself all along." Oh no, there was definitely a lot of a lot of regret there um of like I wish I could have done this sooner. That that was a a pervasive topic for a long time and I said like I I, so for, again, I'm going to say like, I don't know what it's like to be trans. Um, so I can only imagine how painful that is Mm -hmm. to have to hide who you are for such a long time and bury that. And, um, you know, but I said like, as painful as that is, I also think that if our kid hadn't come out first, if I hadn't done sort of the whole trans 101 stuff, you know, as right. a parent where that unconditional love is there. That's why I always feel like I have a bit of a an advantage over a partner who maybe has never experienced loving a trans person to, in any capacity, right? Like I had, I already love a trans person. And so yeah. I had to learn all of that stuff already. What is, what is being trans? What does that mean? How do you support someone, et cetera, et cetera. So when she came out, I was like, here, you know, if you had come out, you know, two years ago, even three years ago, we probably wouldn't be together. Your life would look very, very different. And I know that that doesn't make up for the years that you weren't really able to be yourself. I, I'm sure yeah. that the pain of that is just unreal. Um, but I hope that, you know, the second part of your life, because, you know, she transitioned in her forties is, you know, brings you a lot of joy because oh, you're too. with someone that you love and like you still have your family and like you have like, you know, all that. So you have people who understand you, right? And so I, I just think that I wouldn't have been nearly as supportive. Um, and again, I don't want to say that like, I'm more supportive because I stayed. I think I really want to drive that home because I, I, I never want people to have guilt over, you know, 
I really would like this marriage to work out, but I don't think it's going to work out because that's really, that's valid, right? Like if yeah. you, you, everyone gets to decide that for themselves. And again, as long as you're moving forward with good intention and support and love, that's really what matters, I think, overall. But like, I, I don't know if I would have even done that. I think I would have been like resentful. I don't think I, w- I wasn't the same person at all before our kid came out. So <laughs> I mean, like I, right. I was so much more judgmental and I was so much more insecure and I also have abandonment issues. So there would have been all that factored in. I mean, it just would have been yes. a mess. Honestly, I would not be the person that I am today. So I really think that like, yeah, as, as much as it must be awful to have had to wait so long um, in a way I'm glad that it happened when it did so that we could keep moving forward together. Absolutely. And I think that I'm so glad you spoke on that because I want Angela to understand she needs to show herself grace. You know, I think the fact that she's reaching out to a podcast, reaching out for some type of expertise on, hey, I want to support this person that I loved in a different capacity and I can't love them in that same capacity, but I still love them and they're still the um, parent of my child. And I want to do as much as I can or be as present as I can in support of it. And and I think what she's struggling with is she doesn't know what that support looks like. So I guess my question is, and, and to give her some tangible things, what does that look like for Angela as she's trying to rebuild this relationship um, with her ex so that they can co-parent well and that she can be um, supportive to this new life that this person deserves to live their authentic life? How does she show up for um who was once her ex-husband and i and to be honest like does she say my ex-husband or does she, does she say my ex-wife i i don't even know what that would be and i think she's questioning all these things she's saying like i want to show up i want to do the right thing i want to be but she's like i don't know the pronouns i'm struggling like how can she what are the tangible things to her how does she refer to her ex how does she refer to her ex to her child like i'm sure there's a million questions she has and are there resources for her to help her through this transition because it is it's a transition for her too you know oh it sure is it sure is i mean it's a transition in the relationship that she had is a transition out of that relationship is a transition into a new sort of family dynamic um the first thing i would say is like yeah definitely uh show yourself grace because it is uh, a really challenging thing sometimes. Like it's, it's not one of those things that we plan for, like I said. So, I mean, I think that's the first thing. We're human and we're going to have feelings. Um, I took really good care of myself. So one of the things I really did is like I prioritized exercise and eating well and Come on, getting self-care. enough sleep. Yes. Right. Like it's all about self-care, 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 self-care. You cannot love any anyone else. If you don't love yourself, if you don't know how to love yourself, you cannot show love to others in an effective way. I really believe that. So like, yeah. So like self-care is massive. Um, and then, you know, if there are ways to get support to help work on the acceptance piece, that would be amazing. Um, because, you know, it is really hard to move forward if you can't accept who the person is. So I think, I think like Angela is really trying. Um, and I understand like feeling stuck, but like, I think it's really important to accept that, that, that the partner that you had and now your ex-spouse is a woman. She is a woman and she uses, uh, from what I can tell, she, her pronouns, and I'm sure she has a specific name. And like, you've got to honor that. You have to honor that to show her what your intentions are. It's really important just in general. It also sets a really good example for your child, right? So like, um, our children learn from us. 
So they're going to learn the good stuff. They're going to learn the not so good stuff. So like, let's lead in a way that shows our kid how to, how to love as well. Absolutely. So um, in terms of resources, I would say uh, something like PFLAG is fantastic. Yep. Um, and so, and there, there are chapters like all over the U S or chapters all over Canada. Like I know it's a, it's a huge thing. So like I've worked with them before. I really like them. Um, try and find a local PFLAG chapter. I know a lot of them are doing virtual even right now, so you can do that as well. Um, and you know, and if you're having a hard time understanding what being trans means, what it really means. You know, when you go to meetings like PFLAG or what have you, there are often sort of mentors or like there there will be maybe trans people there who are really happy to answer your questions, really happy to sit with you and work through some of that stuff, right? If they are saying that they are comfortable doing that, that they want to teach and they want to help, take them up on that and really have conversations because I find that like the unknown can leave us really stuck, but also trying to um, put too much of the learning on someone who's going through the transition. And maybe we have like tricky feelings with them and stuff that can be hard too. So like my, my wife and I, we definitely talked about our feelings together, but, and we made space for each other's feelings. Um, but I also had a separate therapist that I talked to and I had other trans people that I had met through, you know, in our child transition to be, you know, that I could talk to as well. So that really helped me. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you had that support. I wonder for those of us who um, are not married to a person who is trans or who are who are not living through that exact situation, but who are completely committed to this world being a better place, a more accepting place, a, m- a more loving place. What are the things that um, we can do? Because I, I recognize my own biases sometimes, Um and I don't like it, right? I, I, because I don't always want to be the person who pops out of me sometimes. I'm like, where did that come from? And where did I learn that? Because I don't even believe that, but it just happens, right? So as, as we're all unlearning a lot of things and we're growing, do you have any advice for just us in general, us listening, we call ourselves helpers over here, um, for the helpers, what can we do do we make sure we say something if we see discrimination? Do we um, say hi, even if we wouldn't have said hi before to make someone feel comfortable? Or is that weird? I, I'm just trying to gauge how we help people who are trans show up in the world and feel safer and feel um, okay and let them be themselves. Or do we, I don't want to ignore it because I don't like being ignored as a Black person. <laughs> so... Is it, do you, how, how would you, how would we navigate this? Or are there any tips you can give those of us who just want to show up in the world as better people towards people who are trans? Well, there are so many great resources out there from trans people who like um, have blogs and have like YouTube channels and that sort of thing. And I would like, I would really start to explore that and, and, and hear what they have to say, pick up their books, you know, that's like, just really sort of get in and understand um, what they're trying to teach because they would be far better teachers than me, obviously. Um, what I tell people is, you know, yes, absolutely. If it is, you know, physically safe for you to do so, if you see transphobia, if you hear transphobia, step in, yeah. step in and say something. Um, sometimes, you know, it's going to, it's going to look different for each situation. Sometimes it's a call in, sometimes it's a call out. Sometimes it's like an email afterwards, whatever happens. But like we are, um, in a position where things will be said around us that 
are that would never be said in front of a trans person if they know there's a trans person there. So like by creating those spaces, I mean, I feel, you know, I mean, that's, it's the same thing for any sort of marginalized group, right? Like as allies, I think like that's one of the things that we really need to be doing. Um, And of course we need the education for that, which is why I was saying like, we really need to get to like really live and like lift up trans voices. You see articles by trans people, books you really liked, videos you really liked, share that stuff. Because like so much transphobia gets shared, tons of it, right? Mm. And so like counter that, counter that with trans voices. There's such a small um, portion of the population. So they need us to lift those voices up and make sure they're heard. Um, And yeah. And like, just in general, like I do little things, like I put my pronouns everywhere. If they're in my signature, yep. they're like in my bio on Twitter and like Instagram and Facebook, like I put them everywhere. It's just a little clue for people to know that it is safe to share your pronouns with me. So it's just like little things like that. It's like these little clues to let people know I I am a safe person to talk to. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be there for you. Absolutely. I also think that in the world that we live in now, it's not enough to say like, I'm not racist or I'm not transphobic. If you're not actively anti those things, we're not doing enough because the world isn't safe for everyone. It We've seen that over and over and over again. And so I feel as though there are a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not homophobic or I'm not transphobic. I'm not racist. And it's like, yeah, you might not be racist and you might not be homophobic or transphobic or participate in all the isms, but you're not stopping them either. You're not, and and we, I think we're at a turning point now where we can't just allow things to happen anymore. Like the world is kind of in shambles and, and there's only two ways to go. And I'm trying to be on the right side of history over here. Like I'm trying to make sure that I show up for all people. And that means all people, right? I want to be the person who never says, well, I'm not transphobic or I'm not homophobic or I'm not these things. Like I'm, I am anti-homophobia. I am anti-transphobia. And I know that that's a journey and I know I'm not going to get it right every single time. Hell, I'm black and I got a little bit of white supremacy in me. So I understand it is um, a journey, but I want to be a part of it. And I love that we get to have these conversations like this because like you said earlier, when we know better, we can do better, right? And and that's that's the biggest thing now. And I'm so happy that we were able to really dig into deep into this. And I'm sure we could talk forever because Angela deserves this support during such a interesting time in her life. Right. And, and you know what it's like. And I think, um, and I, I mean, I'm so grateful for you being here for letting us into your family dynamic and explaining to us your, the, not only like your child's transition, um, and your partners, but also your family transition. It, it was a lot. It, everything changed. And I, I just think it's a beautiful thing that you wrote a book about it to help others, that you're talking about it to help others. And you are exactly what this podcast is all about, helping you out. And and it's not just going to be a one. It won't just be Angela. It's going to be so many of us. I'm going to unlearn a lot of things after <laughs> listening back to this as well. And you're doing you're doing good work. And I'm I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you make space for these conversations to yes. happen because this I mean, I would have killed for a you know, for for a conversation like this to be out there when my partner came out. So it's really nice to know that it's getting out there for somebody else and hopefully many other people. So that's wonderful. Thank you. A couple of weeks ago, actor Elliot Page came out as trans. 
In the letter he posted publicly, he said, I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. Come on, somebody. We all deserve to live our lives as our authentic selves. And so often we don't get to do that. Why? Because it is not safe for everyone to live their authentic lives, to be their authentic selves. But it should be, right? It absolutely should be safe for everyone to show up in the world the way that they desire to show up in the world. And the only reason why they can't, the only reason why we can't, is because we're scared of how other people are going to see us, fear us, not love us, hate us. We can't do that. We have to show up for each other. And when I say show up for everyone, I mean everyone. We don't get to say Black Lives Matter if we don't include trans lives in the Black Lives Matter. We don't get to say all lives matter if we don't include trans people in the all lives matter. Because all lives matter, right? We need to promote those voices and those stories. Normalize being your authentic self. Normalize letting people live their authentic lives. Like most situations in life, the best advice is always to lead with love. And I'm not saying you have to go and get it tattooed on your forearm like Amanda did. That's kind of dope though. But you should remember it. You should remember to lead with love. We all should. And it needs to be an active process. Because when we are passive, it looks like we are being complicit. Because what you tolerate, you encourage. It's not enough to be against transphobia, racism, sexism, all the isms. We need to be actively anti-transphobic, anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-homophobic, anti-pretty much all the isms. We have to overcompensate for all the hate in the world by loving one another that much harder. I'm telling you, it's way more easy to love than to hate. The effort you have to put into hating is going to kill you. It's going to turn you into an awful human being. Let people live their authentic lives. We have to choose love, acceptance, tolerance. We have to lift each other up. I taught my first graders the other day, use kind words. It sounds so simple, right? Because the hard, heavy words, they weigh us down. What kind of person do you want to show up in the world as? Do you want to be a person who weighs people down? Or do you want to be a person who lifts people up? Now, if you commit to being a person who lifts people up, I'm going to need you to lift them all up. Not just the ones that are like you, that look like you, talk like you, live in the same communities with you. I'm talking about everyone, all of us. Lead with love. Angela, thank you so much for your question. And know that you are on the right track. Just by wanting to learn and grow, you are already headed in the right direction. Keep love at the forefront, and I promise you, you will figure it out. Amanda, thank you for sharing your time, your experience, and your light with us. I know that I learned from this conversation, and I hope that everyone else does too. 
And this is what we do. Every episode, we will take one question and find an expert to answer it. If you have a question that you want answered, please send a recording of yourself to podcast at stillkicking.co. Want to help us keep helping other humans? Toss us a like, a subscription, or a shout out on social media. We would love to hear from our army of helpers. We also like to give a shout out to Jenny K, Monique M, Lindsay C, and all the other helpers that have contributed to our mission. We could not do this without you. And we are so grateful. Help a Human Out is a podcast from Still Kicking, an organization dedicated to helping people through the hard stuff in life. This past month, Still Kicking was able to give away 360 Cokes to kids in North Minneapolis. That's my hometown. If you want to learn more about our organization or how to get involved, learn more at stillkicking.co. Yes, that's .co, not .com. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music. And you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.